0: Alright, welcome to EM Talkscast. Uh, Today I am joined by our emergency medicine clinical pharmacist, Siraj Rajasimhan. And uh, Siraj has been with us quite a while now and is doing unbelievably good things in the emergency department. Siraj, tell us a little bit about what an an EM clinical pharmacist does.
1: Thank you, Dr. Hamilton. you know e d is a place that i I think of as a very fast paced and environment where sure. mm-hmm. there is you know risk for for medication errors a lot and having a pharmacist at bedside is really important in you know preventing drug errors or uh, making sure doses are appropriate mm-hmm. um, you know we we are at bedside for most of the critical care situations mm-hmm. and you know, making sure doses is appropriately, you know, ordered and catching errors
0: before it, of Yes. I, I can tell you that I, Siraj and I have been working together for quite a while and there is nothing better than uh, when you're trying to resuscitate a patient and uh, you need push dose epi and Siraj has already thought of it and hands you a syringe and says, Here, it's an ML. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great feeling because you just feel confident that you're on the right track. Mm -hmm. Um, And also looking at things like drug interactions, it's just great to have another really, really highly expert set of eyes and ears on it. Um, I had a case the other day of a patient uh, who uh, I was working up and Siraj was going through the charts, noticed the patient had a bandemia came up to me and said, oh, what's going on with that patient? And, you know, before we were done, had the belly tapped, had the antibiotics in. So it's just really, so if you don't have an EM clinical pharmacist at your shop, get one. So today, uh, Siraj and I are going to talk about the banana bag, uh, a.k.a. the rally pack. Everybody, every location has a different name for it. Mm. And um, this conversation started quite a while ago when, we had a multivitamin shortage and uh, we started uh, talking about, you know, what is it that we're doing with this banana bag? Do we we really need the multivitamins? What's the deal with the thiamine? What's the deal with the folate? You know, why dextrose, magnesium, yes or no? Mm -hmm. The short answer, I suppose, for all that is really acute alcohol intoxication is by definition, either an acute chronic or an acute on chronic nutritional deficiency. So I think what, we, what we're going to do today is talk a little bit about some of those nutritional deficiencies, and then we're going to look at a couple of articles where we really peel back the evidence on the banana bag, as they, as they say in critical care medicine article that we're going to review. So uh, let's start with the uh, dextrose. Uh, Siraj, you were telling me yesterday about it. Uh, you, you had a patient yesterday with alcoholic ketoacidosis. Yes. And uh, they, uh, I guess, true to the rally pack, the dextrose uh, component really did help them rally.
1: (laughs) Yes, uh, we ended up giving uh, him dextrose and a lot of thiamine uh, and uh, electrolytes Mm -hmm. to help him. And he was a classic, his picture looked like a classic uh, alcoholic, Mm -hmm. ketoacidosis. You know, you look at him altered mental status, uh, malnourished. (laughs)
0: Uh, You do not need to be an alcoholic to get it. The symptoms that are very typical include nausea and vomiting, malaise, abdominal pain, Uh, they are dizzy, they're often tremulous, uh, and that may or may not be related to alcohol withdrawal. Uh, The acidosis creates a tachypnea, of course a tachycardia, and they can actually develop hypotension. And one of the areas that I think people get led astray is that they don't find urine ketones, but they can be falsely negative or at least only trace positive. And because of the metabolism alcohol, you get into a relatively depleted NAD versus NADH. So you have excessive NADH, you have depleted NAD, and you're left in what's called a reducing metabolic state. And that skews all your uh, ketoacids towards beta-hydroxybutyrate. And so you might not detect that on that urine dipstick. And AKA patients have depleted glycogen stores. But you might do that finger stick and often, often find that their blood glucose is in the normal range. They um, often have a lactic acidosis, which is a combination of dehydration and a metabolic redox state. Now, but let's talk about a little bit about the patient you were describing that um, you felt had Wernicke's. So um, what do we know about Wernicke's uh, and, uh, and by, by extension, uh, Wernicke's encephalopathy and Korsakoff's psychosis?
1: So. Um Wernicke's enceph- encephalopathy and Korkos syndrome are, are linked disease states that are often underrecognized in the critically ill and acutely intoxicated patients. Um, it's typically referred to as a dry burberry because of the lack of cardiovascular symptoms. Uh, a wet burberry, on the other hand, uh, presents with a CHF, or congestive heart failure, when there is dilated cardiomyopathy,
0: right. So that would be the the, the, the wet and dry beriberi is what mm. we is how we often sort of clinically lump them together, um, but they all have that B1 deficiency as uh, the main component. And because thiamine is an important cofactor for several essential enzymes in the Krebs cycle and the pentose phosphate pathway, uh, that the uh, metabolic situation really gets out of control fairly quickly. And so if you look at the thiamine-dependent enzymes, you have alpha-ketoglutarate dehydrogenase. You've got pyruvate dehydrogenase, uh, the result which increases lactic acid production. And you have transketolase, which is an important enzyme in uh, transport of glucose uh, and glucose metabolism in the central nervous system. So what's the prevalence of—we uh, see a lot of alcohol patients at this fictional hospital that we work at. Yes. Uh, what's the prevalence of, of, of Wernicke's encephalopathy in patients who are alcoholics?
1: 12% of alcoholics have Wernicke's encephalopathy. Um, the alcohol affects thymine uptake and its utilization. Um, so in these patients, they even if they take— Uh, oral intake of thymine, the absorption is much less. um,
0: So you can also find these in prolonged starvation, right? Hyperemesis gravidarum and Mm -hmm. bariatric surgery patients. Although uh, I have not seen that. Have you ever seen that in a bariatric patient?
1: I have not yet seen that. Yeah,
0: they call it bariatric beriberi. And uh, fortunately, I've not seen that. And also um, HIV AIDS. Mm -hmm. I think the clinical picture that we're going to paint for this is to is to imagine your first impression is probably going to be that this person is somehow malnourished, mm-hmm. right? They'll look thin or what have you. Un, un, unlike AKA, alcoholic ketoacidosis, can happen in a weekend drinker, a college kid or what have you. When we get to Wernicke's encephalopathy and Korsakoff psychosis as an extension, we really are going to be looking for that undernourished uh, person. Now, the dilemma is... There's no magic test, right? Mm-hmm. You still have to develop a clinical suspicion. The most typical clinical ma- manifestation is an altered mental status, and that can be very difficult to identify because, right, they're most intox-
1: are, are intoxicated.
0: Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so that kind of goes with the uh, our impression to say, well, this patient is intoxicated. We don't even think about Wernicke's encephalopathy. Mm-hmm. Um, even in those cases, only 20% of the patients get a clinical diagnosis, and it's important to remember that folks who at autopsy have Wernicke's, only 10% have a complete triad of the symptoms recorded in their clinical picture, Mm -hmm. and that will be altered mental status, ophthalmoplegia, and ataxia. So why is it not uh, easy to make the diagnosis with uh, lab tests, Shiraj? Why can't we just send a thiamine level?
1: Well... Timing levels. The turnaround time is uh, extremely long. Mm. Um, You know, you're not getting this back in your normal ED admission time. Mm -hmm. So, um, and the levels are reduced up to eighty percent in alcohol users. Okay. Um, So the clinical recognition of these symptoms are absolutely important, more important than waiting for this the timing level to return. Mm.
0: Yeah, and the truth is that there's no magic. Thymin level cutoff, which you do or do not get Wernicke's. We do often send these levels, especially on patients, obviously, that we're admitting and patients who are in a critical care mode, especially. The admitting team say they are helpful to get them. I think that they often discourage them from the diagnosis of Wernicke's too often. All right. So according to the European Federation of Neurologic Societies, uh, the criteria for Wernicke's encephalopathy and Korsakoff syndrome should have two of the following four features. And I think this is important. There should be a nutritional deficiency present. And I don't define that, but I think what our experience suggests is that they should look malnourished in some way, shape, or form. There will be uh, You're looking for ocular abnormalities as number two. You're looking for number three, ataxia, that is to say cerebellar dysfunction, and number four, mental status changes or memory impairment. Now, unfortunately, altered mental status, ataxia, uh, perhaps even memory impairment, uh, are found in just about all of our intoxicated patients, especially uh, some of the ones that we admit. And we start admitting uh, intoxicated patients once their levels get over 425. We have an alcohol level over 425. Mm-hmm. So it can be very difficult to even sort that part out as well, right? And if you think of... Um, the the last patient that you just described, one of the key factors was the ataxia, right? Yes. Yeah. And so it should not be, it should be, you're you're looking for something specific to a cerebellar dysfunction as opposed to being just intoxicated. Now, unfortunately, the condition is not always 100% reversible, uh, but that shouldn't discourage you. The ataxia and ophthalmoplegia can resolve within a few hours if you start giving them thiamin early. The confusion can improve. Unfortunately, memory and learning difficulties are often uh, persistent. And one of the worst things is to allow it to worsen and progress to Korsakoff psychosis. And that's usually a permanent neurologic dysfunction. And those patients, unfortunately, end up being uh, institutionalized because they're so dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. So let's break down that banana bag once and for all, take a look and we'll have a link to the articles we looked at in the show notes, uh, what the evidence is. So the first supplement we're saying dextrose and the evidence uh, for routine use in this critically ill patients I think is very good. It's adequate at least. And what you're looking for in these patients to show that they have alcoholic ketoacidosis is that nausea, vomiting, malaise, abdominal pain, dizzy, tremulous, tachypnea, tachycardia, and hypotensive patient. Any of those, a few of those, start performing some investigations, lab tests, chemistry, urine dipstick, beta-hydroxybutyrate, and um, um, then add the dextrose. And we'll start talking about the dose a little bit, but D5 half normal run at a maintenance rate is just fine. Lots of concerns back in the day about giving dextrose before you gave thiamine, right? And we know that that's not the case. You can bolus dextrose without much trouble. Um, You don't have to delay the thiamine. The real issue becomes when patients are getting long-term dextrose administration and have no thiamine given. Uh, the um, evidence for thiamine uh, so far uh, in uh, treating Wernicke's is very good, okay? Um, the altered mental status, uh, metabolic dysfunction should be your triggers. Uh, look for the ataxia and the ocular findings. Uh, look specifically for the, uh, those to indicate Wernicke's, and then perhaps even the, some memory impairment and some other confabulatory-type behaviors that show Korsakoff psychosis. Folic acid. Some reasonable evidence, but fairly weak. I think we would add folate for a patient that had an uh, an identified megaloblastic anemia, which is why I will get a CBC on patients who Mm -hmm. appear to have that alcoholic uh, appearance. Uh, There's some other indications as well. Confusion, depression uh, can go along with um, a folic acid deficiency. Magnesium, mm, very weak evidence. Uh, may be reasonable to add it, but you're looking specifically for QT prolongation, also seizures, tremors, hyperreflexia. The evidence on multivitamins, phosphorus, potassium, riboflavin, selenium, vitamin A, vitamin C, and zinc are all bad. There's really no good evidence to put the banana in the banana bag, uh, you know, get that yellow color going just so you can figure out who, <laughs> who's getting uh, the alcohol yeah. detox cocktail. <laughs> So what do we recommend? So first of all, we're going to recommend keep the dextrose, right? Exactly. Yep. Talk to me about the thiamine, uh, Siraj. What's our recommendation there?
1: So uh, with thiamine, uh, the recommended dose for treating or or preventing Wernicke's is to 200 to 500 milligrams IV every eight hours. Um, it is important to give this IV because uh, in these patients, oral absorption is very limited, mm-hmm. um, right? So, in a normal, healthy adult, if you give them thirty milligrams of thiamine orally, only about four point five milligrams is absorbed. Uh, in an alcoholic, that's even uh, lesser. So, in an mm. alcoholic, if you give a hundred milligrams three times a day thiamine, about five milligrams of that is absorbed by or by mouth. Yeah. yeah. So, it's definitely important to give the thiamine IV, um, and also. Also, timing in the body—you have to, you have to have it reach the brain, mm. and the brain utilizes it by two mechanisms. One by active transport, which is saturated, saturated. Aha, uh-huh, okay. And there's also a concentration dependent. So justification for using a higher dose is once the active transport is saturated, you have a steep concentration gradient, that helps it reach the brain. So. Hmm.
0: So now when we throw 100 milligrams in a banana bag, which we're not going to do the banana anymore, right, just a bag, we're really not treating Wernicke's encephalopathy there.
1: No. So the the, the 100 milligram dose actually was a random dose that Interesting. That, that, w- that two authors came up with. Uh, there was no evidence behind the 100 milligrams.
0: Okay. Uh, it's what people could tolerate, I suppose. Yes. Right.
1: Um, and also, thymine you know, when you give it as, uh, as a regular 100 milligram dose once, it, it has a very short half life also. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you know, uh, eliminate, it gets eliminated pretty quickly. Um, so giving that higher dose more often, so the frequency of 8 to 12 hours is important in making sure that you have enough concentrations.
0: So is there any studies that suggest that even if we gave that low dose of thiamine that we would, we could somehow prevent Korsakoff syndrome, for example?
1: So, there was actually a landmark study that looked at 50 to 100 milligrams IV thymine a day, and they found that 85, 84% of those patients developed Korkov syndrome Mm. and uh, long-term impairments.
0: How about that? So, So, that 100 we're throwing in there is just making us feel good. It's not actually, if we think that patient is, for example, at risk for Wernicke's encephalopathy, we're underdoing it. Okay. Interesting. So... First of all, we're not going to do a Vimin um, in the bag just because the patient's intoxicated. We're doing it because we see a patient, we're concerned about Wernicke's, yes. and we may not be sure, but they look malnourished, they look ataxic, they look like somebody um, mm-hmm. who fits that picture. Mm-hmm. So then we're going with that 200 milligram dose, yes. and then obviously if we're concerned about that patient and um, when they, shall we say, sober up and their ataxia persists or their neurologic findings persist. We're admitting them to the hospital for the Wernicke's. We continue that three times a day. Uh, So so your goal is to get these high IV doses so they actually get in the brain and stay there for that eight-hour period. All right. So thiamine is out of the banana bag, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So we're down to, so we got some dextrose in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, what about the folate?
1: So the recommended dose of For folate, again, um, it it must be given IV also in alcoholics uh, because of limited absorption. Okay. Um, It's about 400 to 1,000 micrograms IV uh, per day. Okay. Um, It is reasonable to switch them over to oral once they are
0: stable. Okay. So then um, if we look at the evidence for the indications to giving it, then we probably would confine it to patients who appear to have either a megaloblastic anemia or some other conditions that would suggest a folate deficiency is present. So again, probably we're getting back to that picture of a nutritionally deficient, weak appearing, Mm -hmm. ataxic, neurologic appearing patient. And if we we do some labs and we see that anemia, then we definitely want to add that folate. If we do not, that one dose of folate is not helping not them helping in any way, shape, yes. or form. Okay. Mm-hmm. What about magnesium? This is a big plus or minus in patients uh, who are alcoholics who are critically ill. What's What's your feeling on magnesium? What does the literature say?
1: Again, uh, magnesium is, uh, like folate is patient-specific. Okay. Um, if, you're, uh, if your magnesium is low or if you have uh, QT prolongation, altered mental status, or tremors, then you can add that on. Uh, if needed. So routinely adding magnesium does not give you any further benefit in these species. Okay,
0: all right. Sounds like what we can conclude is that uh, dextrose fluids are good for folks who are acutely intoxicated from alcohol uh, because they help with restore the proper redox state. Um, That's a for sure. Uh, it will not sober them up any quicker, but perhaps it prevents uh, a deterioration into a ketoacid state, which we want to avoid. Thymine, uh, we're not going to add on a regular basis. We're going to look for patients who we suspect, and we'll have a wide we'll have a wide berth for that. In other words, we'll say, hey, if they look ataxic or nutritionally deficient, let's add the proper dose, and that'll be two hundred. Mm-hmm. And then if we see signs of anemia or concerns for megaloblastic anemia, either on lab or physical exam, we would add a milligram of folate, pretty simple, Mm -hmm. knowing that we could just flip them over to oral folate pretty quickly. Magnesium is plus or minus depending upon whether we see a magnesium deficiency as measured on the labs, or whether we see signs like tremor or whatnot. Um, and, uh, And we are now convinced that the multivitamins only added expense, Yes. Uh, occasionally created shortages, and that we probably should do without that. Well, now I'll tell you a story. So I, I've been very convinced by all this evidence, and so the other day I I typed my order D5 half normal. I, I wrote uh, um, uh, 200 milligrams of thiamine. I did throw in a milligram of folate. I put that order in, and the pharmacist upstairs said, don't you want the multivitamins? <laughs> So, it's hard to we need to get the word out to folks that uh, really we we probably um, want to back out on that. what's what are the barriers to actually making this happen? do you think?
1: Um I think the the computer uh, ordering systems can be updated to reflect some of these evidence. Okay, uh, sure. I think most of places still have you know, if you type in thymine, you're getting the banana bag order set. right. So I think creating you know specific thymine order cells orders infusions by itself or you know, maybe getting rid of that standard banana banana bag cocktail out would make it, you know, more um, user friendly. Mm. You know, right now if you have to order uh, something separate, sometimes you have to build it, you know, or, right, or right, edit right. something. So yeah, just,
0: it, it, many more clicks. Yes, <laughs> Yes. Well, thank you, uh, Siraj. This has been great. The uh, this is this is what is known as knowledge translation, right? So we have the evidence, we look at it, we, we have our clinical practice, we combine them, uh, and the first step is awareness, right? So we make people aware that the multivitamins uh, are really not important. So why don't we get together in six months and we'll see just how how many fewer banana bags are down in the emergency department. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. All right, thanks a lot and uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you. It was great.